exactly at the point many of us feared and even predicted. Thank you, JB. Truer words were never said. This is the Grunge Bible Podcast, episode 140. And my name is Ethan Shalloway, and I'm joined with Chris Salonum, exactly where a lot of people predicted and even feared the opposite of that. But Chris, how are you? I'm great, Ethan Shalloway. Uh, It is good to be here for episode number 140, and we're going to be talking about a topic today that I've been very excited to talk about for a long time. And uh, in relation to the intro, uh, I think that soundbite is just going to be a part of our intro, uh, you know, for the indefinite future. Um, You know, we were in a very similar scenario. Uh, You know, you're traveling home for the Thanksgiving holiday today, the day that we're recording on November 21st, and we were supposed to record on Monday, November 20th. Uh, you know, a call was placed between the two of us and, uh, (laughs) it was one of those things where you just, you know what, we're exactly where we feared we have to do the podcast and we didn't necessarily want to. So, uh, you know, we pushed it back to today, but we're on a tight timeline today. This is going to be, this is exactly what we feared. And you know what? We, we predicted it as well. Um, you know, our pain is self-chosen in a lot of ways. A lot of people's pain is self-chosen. And we're no different, but I'm doing all right. I, I can't complain. I got a short week of work. Thanksgiving holiday is mere days away. Uh, and this episode's coming out on the tail end of Thanksgiving uh, the following Monday. So we'll kind of keep things rolling here. How are you today? Doing well. Uh, as we said, I have a uh, plane to catch to get home, which is great news. Um, so this is the last, well, one of the things that we need to get done before we do that. And um yeah, we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into, and we did it anyway. And that's what it's all about sometimes, cutting it close. So, um, yeah, it, it's I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Like I said, I'm excited to go home and be home with the family. It'll be nice to uh, just reset, even though it, wasn't, it hasn't been that long, but I feel like I need to go back. So I'm pretty excited. about seeing like November in, in, the, in the double digits for days. It just kind of makes you jones for you know, getting some, yeah. getting some home time. So I'm, I'm glad that yeah, you're going to fo- be able to have that. Football's ramping up. The NFL is get, getting going. You got the holiday season here. The new year is right around the corner. It's a lot, coming. A lot going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is like, it all speeds up. You know, it feels very busy. So. Oh yeah. It yeah, is I'm doing rolling. Good. That's good. So this is episode 140. Thank you all for listening um, and come and checking out the page. Please, uh, you know, Share it with your friends. You know, maybe somebody else will really enjoy listening to us. Um, and then think about becoming a patron. And we have uh, three levels: two, five, and ten. That uh, we are very thankful for because I don't know, Chris. I mean, we don't do it for the money, but it sure helps. You know what I mean? Not that we, yeah, you know, it, get it, a lot of to- money, but yeah, the like, idea like, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. we don't make the any money. The off idea of this. that somebody's liking yeah. and wants to give us money is cool. absolutely but i mean it is helpful because like while we don't make any money off of it it's nice to not have to dip into our own pockets we have to, to make spend money exactly. yeah so uh you know i i still think you know we're probably and the we've, producer we've wants to raise again yeah, producer he does want to raise and he's earned it too i mean la- last week Has with he? the sound with the sound bite <laughs> i mean the seamless inclusion of that sound bite in our intro um in a great yeah. sounding episode i i think our producer drew mcfadden has deserved a raise and you all the people can make that possible by becoming a patreon supporter uh at one of those three levels as ethan just mentioned uh and as we like to do you know if you really up the ante and join at the ten dollar level um i do get to say your name every single week uh, until you decide to stop giving us money um so you can ride that merry-go-round uh as many times as you would like and we've got a lot of people who have been riding for a long time, in the words of Chris Cornell, they're they're riding us all the way. Uh, you know, the mailman type type vibe going on here. So I'd like to thank our top tier supporters at this time. And their names are Laura and Irene, Jamie Lynn, Fuck Soup, The Blue Owl, Jade Mercado, Alexis Shannon, Carlene Salona, Kara K, Nikki Six, Chris LSMS, Black Hole Sean, Eddie Vetter got me through my second divorce, Seattle Four fanboy from New Jersey, Alex Long, Faith Bittner, Michael McCready's mustache, Granny Grunge, Epona, Corden Stewart, Eric R. Berry, Gochu John, Lamellar Bone, D Boat, Keith White, Sherry Matthews, and Pile of Punk. And I just speed ran that whole thing. That feels pretty good. I'm getting good at that. I figure a fucking 140 times in, I should, I should, I should be okay at it. Yeah. We should time it. Have yeah. a, have a, uh, set a PR personal you know? best. And yeah, if, exactly. you know, really follow, follow along with the stats well, here. The, the PRs have been falling lately too. in a lot, a lot of different ways. We're feeling, feeling good. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we set a new PR every time we record another episode of this podcast. So 
But we need a few members to join because we are yeah. below uh, yeah. we're below our patron PR level. Yeah. Uh, we're consistent, amount, but so. we're not. Yeah, exactly. We're not at our highest. So right. let's let's bump it up for the holiday season. Get in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know you've been listening for many episodes out there. Yeah. You know, so. Well, that was like King Buzzo stole my hair last week. He's like, it took you guys 130 weeks and you finally broke me down and got me to, uh, you know, got me to give you guys money. So you never know. It's it's like that meme of like the one guy digging to find diamonds and he's walking away. And then the other person just underneath, he's like, he's still digging and he's just about to get there. Like we are the people digging for diamonds. Like we are we're still going down that path and you the know, gold rush is coming. The gold exactly. rush is coming. Well, I mean, 98% of podcasters, uh, you know, they quit right before they're about to hit it big and make a lot of money. So we're trying yeah. to be a part of that 2% that doesn't quit. So we've got a lot of topics to discuss, uh, and we will continue to do so. And as you saw, when you clicked on this episode, we are going to be talking about Mark Lanigan today, uh, in honor of his birthday, which was on November the 25th. He would have been, I believe, 59 years old. Um, so we're very excited to talk about that. But before we do that, we do have to commemorate what was hip and happening on this day in music history, November 27th. Um, so Ethan, shall I begin? Yeah. You begin, uh-huh. and then I got to take the, the yeah. Beatles, I was gonna say the there's a couple, a couple of things here that I think you're gonna want to talk about, uh, but we'll start with a very notable occurrence uh, on November 27th, 1942. Jimi Hendrix was born in Washington State, and obviously, you know, we don't really need to say anything about Jimi Hendrix. We all know him. We all love him. Uh, you know, one of the the preeminent guitar just machines. Of the air, my, my words stopped working there for a second. But Jimi Hendrix, yeah, happy, happy a vocal birthday. typo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a verbal typo again. <laughs> the frequency of those is uh, skyrocketing lately. But yeah, Jimi Hendrix, born on this day in 1942. Ethan, let's kick it over to you for the next one. You know, it's interesting. Any one of these dates, I mean, you know, the calendar changes. You know, the days um, of the week change. So like any of these could have been on Thanksgiving, you know, Jimmy Hendrix could have been born on Thanksgiving, right? That 20, November 27th, right in the wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I, I don't care enough to like consult the, the 1942 calendar to see, but it is, it right. is interesting to think about. Yeah. So maybe Thanksgiving 1967, we don't know, November 27th, yeah. the Beatles released their double EP magical mystery tour in the U S <laughs> which also served as <laughs> the soundtrack goodness. for their TV film on this of the same name. So there you go. Beatles in 1967, Magical Mystery Tour. I'll tell you, I'd like the Beatles to go on a Magical Mystery Tour from which they don't return. That, that'd be <laughs> yeah. nice. That'd I be want very Mrs. nice. I want Mrs. Frizz to take them on the bus. <laughs> yeah, the Magical <laughs> Show. That, that show was awesome. Oh, yeah. incredible. Gas, they, 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 had like the, they had like the little picture books too, I think, if I remember right, as a kid reading I was, those. I was yeah. huge into Ms. that Frizzle growing was the up, goat. Yeah. Yeah. They always made me want to get on the school bus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Made it, made it cool, you know? Exactly. You know, we're, that's the, we have to do sometimes with the kids, you know, you have to take very normal activities and make them cool and get them excited about it. Um, and, uh, that's not a segue that I can use. So I'm just going to keep on rolling here in 1970 on this day, George Harrison releases all things must pass, uh, his first album post Beatles breakup. Um, and this is probably my favorite album by any of the, uh, the singular Beatles, uh, the title track, all things must pass, uh, from that album is, is one of my all time favorites. And it's just a, um, just a beautiful song with a great message that never goes out of style. There's a Great performance of it from, I think it was his last public performance in like 1997 or 95 or something. Uh, right before he kind of got quite ill, he performed it um, on, I think, VH1 or something like that with John Fuel sang as the host and uh, is really, really nice. great. Um, he wasn't going to perform and they just happened to have a guitar in the studio and they asked him if he would play and he said, sure. And he, he played that song. It was really, really special. Uh, that song's meant a lot to me the last couple of years. So uh, happy anniversary to that album, All Things Must Pass. Yeah, it's a good reminder for the good and the bad. If it's mm-hmm. good, you got to cherish while you have it because it's going to pass. And if it's yep. bad, you know, buckle down, you'll get through it because all things must pass. Absolutely. In uh, 1986, Bon Jovi scored their first number one hit in the U.S. with You Give Love a Bad Name. It's a good song. No, it's not. Right? <laughs> it is not a good song. All right. Bon John, John Bon Jovi is maybe on the, the shit list here at, at GB. John, I think we've talked. John John Bovi. 
John John Bovey, Bon Ron, John Ron Bovey. John Bovey's hit song, You Give Name a Bad Love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hate I hate bad John name, Bon Jovi's music. Bad name love gives you bad John Bovey. <laughs> Late Seth with Night Myers. <laughs> Oh my gosh. This yeah, that's a, all, to, all to say about that. Yeah. Uh, 1991, Freddie Mercury's funeral. Uh, sad day. Freddie Mercury, I know you're not, you know, you recently proclaimed you're not a huge Queen fan. Right. Um, which is sad, but also, you know, whatever. He, he was just unbelievable, though. He was one of the best talents um, in the world oh, at yeah. the time and all time, for yeah. sure. And, and he had really passed special. away on November 24th, 1991. And the funeral was held a few days later. A very private ceremony with, you know, the band members, some family, and some friends. Um, possibly I, on Thanksgiving. Possibly on Thanksgiving. The, <laughs> the, that's the caveat to all of this. This right. next one uh, would be an incredible Thanksgiving Day news drop. Uh, because, <laughs> because on this day, in 2017, People Magazine named Blake Shelton the sexiest man alive. Hmm. And what what do we what do we think about that? What do we think about Blake Shelton? I mean, he 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 has the I mean, obviously his music career, but he was one on the Voice, right? He yeah, felt he, that. yeah, yeah, because he was Man. married to Miranda Lambert, and then they got divorced because he he was with Gwen, and I think they're still married, Gwen and Blake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nice I little nice right. little Voice love triangle, or I guess yeah. just Voice adultery. You know, <laughs> it happens. Oh, That's Hollywood, it? baby. Was it adult adultery? I, I don't mean, know. It, I don't know. Who's to say, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Who's he would. Say? He he could say, but we right. can't. He could say it. Yeah. I don't he, know. Sexiest man alive. That's. I mean, I know Jason Kelsey was up for it. He got second this yeah. year, which is pretty. Uh, that's pretty good. It's like yeah, runner it's pretty, up. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's such a. It is such a weird uh, award because, you know, it's it's only famous people. I mean, I don't know. There's. It's really hard to say. There's a lot of good-looking people out there's there a lot in the of world. Good, yeah, there's there's a lot of so, good-looking people out there who. Have but it's not cool. Been I mean, you know, contests contests are always cool. So you know, yeah. whatever. Only one person can win. So <laughs> I guess congrats to 2017 Blake Shelton for winning. I wonder if he has. He probably has the timepiece. You know, the, there's got to be the, some sort of like award. Like it's probably more fancy than a plaque, though. You would think maybe like a, a watch or something nice. I mean, really, what they should give him is. You know, and the Big Lebowski when he's he's looking the through mirror, the mirror. Absolutely, the, he's got through the <laughs> yeah, looking you to are the mirror. The little because, Lebowski urban achievers. <laughs> yeah, you are the se the sexiest man alive. He's, it's just a oh, mirror. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's set up. Yeah, that's smart. I think we should uh, we should suggest that, but we're probably okay. not going to. Last this last, last one. on the list. Taylor Sw in 2021, Taylor Swift extended version of All Too Well with a running time of 10 minutes. 13 second hits number one on the hot 100 become the longest song ever to top the chart don mclean held the record since 72 with american pie running 836 at the top so not to be confused with dan campbell of the wonder years version of all too well which in my opinion is better uh with future teens backing as the band uh it's just an absolute tearjerker and it's dan campbell so sometimes is you just have Sometimes that you was just a have cover to say, of Swift? Yeah, he covered Taylor Swift's All Too Well. Sometimes, Ethan, you just have to say fuck it and put on Dan Campbell All Too Well and just let it let it roll a little bit. You know, it kind All of, right, kind of it looks like I'm occasion. doing that for my flight. Yeah, yeah. I think you should. Uh, but Taylor Swift's version is great. The, the mini film that they did was really cool as well. Um, I found myself watching that at different points. Uh, it's pretty quality, I would say. Yeah, she's very talented. Very talented. You know, very, yeah. very good at producing... Uh, cool shit she's good know? at everything yeah there's a, I, I mean think you know, maybe maybe it's her team you know but yeah um maybe a lot of artists out there. raises all boats yeah yep absolutely that's all i had to say about that i mean yeah i, I think that's taylor, all i have to say about taylor swift comes well. up a lot on this too taylor swift comes up more than you would think everywhere so yeah that's that's true it's just always like you never know like which corner she's going to be around you know she's yeah, just all she's, over the place she is massive, so exactly not physically, you know. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she'll, she'll, maybe she'll have to play. The Chiefs need some wide receivers. I mean, if she gets her forty time down a little bit, you know, she can yeah. play. She can play with Travis. You know, put him out, put him out wide. You know, Travis in the slot, and then just Taylor the deep threat down the sideline. Oh, yeah. I think I think they could scheme something up. I'm sure it would work. 
Yeah. We'll be fine though. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, we'll be fine. Well, that's this day in music history for November 27th. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that segment. But now it's time to get into the uh, meat and potatoes of this episode. Uh, and this is an episode that we've had the idea to do for a long time, um, but we just wanted to attempt to do it correctly. Uh, and this is a point in time where we think it's, uh, you know, this is just the time we have to do it. You know, his birthday was just a few days ago and obviously he's been, you know, he hasn't been on this earth for almost two years now, but uh, this is the Mark Lanigan episode. So we've spoken about him obviously on the podcast many, many times. Uh, we released a special episode, I think the week that he had passed away. I think we maybe have even recorded the day that we found the news, but um, this episode um, is just going to kind of talk about him and who he was and, and why he's so special to us uh, and why his music is uh, is just of such significance. And I think in his catalog, you're going to find there's something for everybody out there. Um, so really looking forward to having this discussion today. Um, and it's important to note, um, you know, we're just fans of his. There's actually a lot of really, really good information um, you know, about his life, you know, we're not necessarily going to get into that into his life because how could you in like a one hour podcast episode, but he's got a book that came out in 2020 called sing backwards and weep, uh, his, his memoirs. Um, and I recommend you pick this up and you read it. It's one of the, one of the best books period that I've ever read. Uh, I've read it, I think three times now. Um, and it's, it's harrowing. Um, it's, it's just a trip. Um, and it, it kind of illuminates, you know, the man who was making the music and, and what goes what goes into that and what went into that. So I recommend you read that if you're a fan of uh, music in general and just good literature, because this man, he could sing, he could write songs, he could write poetry and he could write books, too. Um, I also recommend um, the editor of Mark Lanigan's memoir was a guy is a guy named Mishka Shubali. Um, and he had, he had a podcast that ran for a couple of years and, uh, he released a few episodes talking about Lanigan, obviously knew him very well and was very friendly with him. Uh, I listened to those podcast episodes periodically, and he's got a couple of great, uh, pieces about some of Lanigan's albums, uh, particularly Bubblegum and Gargoyle. Uh, if you go and you find those on the internet, they're really, really good. Uh, and I think it's best, you know, you learn about this man through his own words and through the words of people who, uh, who knew him. Uh, and I think that's an important part about learning about the man. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to reiterate, like, I mean, he has a lot of stuff out there, obviously all the stuff with screaming trees and Queens of the stone age and whatnot, but he has, yeah. I think 12, um, solo albums on top of all the yeah. collaborations, like, and then yeah. he has books. Like, I mean, he was an absolute machine with like getting his emotions and words out there and there's no shortage. To, yeah. of, of stuff that you can dive into yeah and you know and, and the crazy proceed thing with, proceed with caution of yes. course but like you can go as deep as you want and that's we you know that's what you did chris that's what you've done in the past couple of years so yeah. and and like it's one of those things where once it's kind of pulls you in like i, I definitely can tell like, it pulls you in and like you just want to hear and, and and consume as much as you can and there's a lot yeah so and, you know. and let's, to speak to that, let's just kind of go through a list, like, and this is not an exhaustive list of people that he had collaborated with and, and that he had worked with on music. Um, Screaming Trees, Mad Season, Queens of the Stone Age, Duke Garwood, Isabel Campbell, Alan Johannes, Greg Dooley and the Gutter Twins and the Twilight Singers, PJ Harvey, Massive Attack, Joe Cardamone, Chris Christopherson, and Kurt Cobain. And that's just scratching the surface. And the other incredible thing, all of the solo albums, all of the projects, all of the features that he did, you know, all of the parts that he did in bands over the years, he lost significant a significant number of years of his life due to his addiction and to struggling with his addiction in and out of rehab, in and out of, you know, halfway homes and just different things like that. Um you know, and he was able to put out such an incredible right. output despite all of that, you know, not only the yeah. time loss, but just the, the health loss. Uh, and that's something I think that's so captivating to me about his life is like, he was one of those guys that like, he objectively should have died so many times and he didn't. And you get to the point that it's like, okay, well, if this man isn't dead yet, like nothing could ever kill him. And that's why I think for me, it was such a big shock you know, that he did, that he did end up passing away in February of 2022. Um, it's like, holy shit, like this man went through so many different things with, you know, all different types of addiction, um, homelessness, uh, you know, run-ins with the law, um, you know, putting himself in situations where like you, you can and probably should get hurt. 
uh, or robbed or just I mean, everything, you know, he had, he had, he had stood down every single type of situation. Uh, and the fact that he, he survived long enough and, and got back to points of thriving creatively and, and, you know, hopefully personally, I can't speak to that obviously, um, is just, it's unbelievable. You know, people always talk about Keith Richards as being like the, you know, the guy that like the world couldn't kill. Like Lanigan was that dude. Oh yeah. It, it's so true. Um, everything you just said, like if I go out drinking and I have a, if I have a hangover, like I can't respond to emails, let alone, let alone write songs and yeah, let, let alone so. tour the world, writing and <laughs> yeah. playing music. Um, and it's, it's unbelievable. And, and Lanigan said in, in his memoirs and in interviews, he's like, the only thing that saved me from my alcohol addiction and dying from alcoholism was becoming a drug addict, which is just an unbelievable yeah. thing to, to verbalize and to, and to yeah. have it, to have it be true. Um, and, and I think the the thing about him, you know, not even getting to his voice yet, which is obviously a conversation all his own, but just like his history and his experiences is just like, you know, how many different sides to him there were, um, you know, and we always talk about like the duality of man and just like the fact that, you know, you could go back and forth. And, and I think, you know, his story um, as it relates to his addictions, I think is very complimentary of a lot of other stories where, you know, there's something about the human mind, at least in my mind, that it's like you think of, you know, when you go through a hard time or you struggle with something and you beat it that first time, you're like, okay, I'm done with that. Like, this is like, this is over. I beat it. I triumphed. Um, Mark Lanigan's life was not like that. Um, so actually at the, how the book ends uh, is, um, you know, he goes, he goes to rehab, right? And, and he has this experience in rehab uh, without getting into the details of it. And he's like, you know, I knew from that point forward, like I had a desire to become clean you know, and to, and to be in recovery and stay there. And, um, uh, Mishka, the editor of the book was like, holy shit, dude. Like, and then that was it. Like you were clean. He's like, hell no. He's like, I, I, I relapsed dozens and dozens of times. I was kicked out of a, like a few different rehabilitation centers. You know, if it wasn't this drug, it was that drug. I'd go years and then, you know, I'd relapse again. And it's just like one of those things that you feel that in his music, just like that persistent struggle. And like, we all have struggles, you know, the, the severity of them and what we're struggling with changes, but everybody can kind of relate to that thing. You know, there's always parts of our lives that are challenging, uh, you know, and, and as he wrote in, uh, in a song off of Field Songs, you know, living's not hard, it's just not easy. Always keeping the yeah. dogs off. Yeah, I think, you know, he said that, I mean, he proclaimed that he was an alcoholic at age 12. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it started early and, you know, and if it wasn't like hard drugs, I mean, like you said, you know, he got his voice. He said, you know, smoke like four packs a day, right? <laughs> of Unbelievable. <cigarettes>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like 80 cigarettes. I mean, Cam that camel is... <laughs> crushers were his cigarette of choice in his later yeah. life. Um, and it is, like you said, it's amazing that he survived so long and, and was able to put so much stuff out there and a sad loss um it is interesting to hear stories to, you know people talking about him because obviously we never met him but um right. you know you're gonna get you know people say that he wasn't the easiest to deal with a lot of time and that comes with that comes with uh, addiction and a lot of i mean every every case basically absolutely um so. and, and just speaking to that um the last solo album that he released before he died was in 2020 it was called straight songs of sorrow uh and there's a song on there called skeleton key and, mm -hmm. uh, that album came out at the shittiest point in my life. And, and I was reading his book and I was, you know, listening to everything that he had ever done. Um, but speaking to his own life, um, there's a lyric in that song, skeleton key. And, and, and he goes on to say, I spent my life trying every way to die. Is it my fate to be the last one standing? Um, and that's, that's something that you can't write unless you've, you know, you've stood in the fire and you, you know, you've, yeah. you've stood down the train coming at you. Um, and just like his capacity to, you know, seemingly endure everything that could possibly break a human being um, and still emerge unbroken on the other side of it and, and able to channel that into art and to create art and, you know, to, to, to explain his experiences in a way that it could apply to so many different people. Uh, and, and I think that's the one commonality throughout his music because that's the thing, like, I feel bad for grunge rock fans that only know of him from the screaming trees or maybe from mad season, you know, long gone day. I mean, his solo catalog and his collaborations were absolutely incredible. And I think that's the most impressive thing about his career to me, um, is not his voice, um, not who he collaborated with, but how he felt and sounded 
completely at home in every single genre that he tried to create. And, you know, he started in, in like a psychedelic rock band in the trees and then became like more like, you know, grunge Rocky, uh, you know, and then you go on to the Mad Season Project and you do stuff with Queens of the Stone Age. You write, you know, singer, songwriter, stripped down acoustic solo stuff. And then eventually, you know, you find yourself doing soul music, doing electronic music, doing atmospheric stuff, uh, folk stuff. I mean, it's all over the place. And he sounded at home and he pulled off everything that he did and every single genre, every single collaborator, it felt like that project was something that he was destined to do, uh, which is not something that anybody can just do. And there's a lot of singers and artists that I really admire, but you know, they they attempt to do certain projects, and it's just like it just doesn't it just doesn't fit, right? Um, yeah. Maybe Mark Lanigan. I mean, he was able to do absolutely everything. I mean, uh, Whiskey for the Holy Ghost, the album in 1994 that came out. He was working on that simultaneously as uh, when Sweet Oblivion was 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 moving throughout the charts. And I mean, two completely different things. And then he goes on and he writes Long Gone Day with Lane in the studio one day, you know, and that's just such a completely delicate ballad. They've got a saxophone in there for God's sake, you know. I mean, so talk about being a musical chameleon. That's what this man was. It's really interesting that you hear all these stories about you know how difficult he was but yet the collaboration list and what he did with people is so long like honestly getting you know being in a band and getting stuff done and not you know not breaking up and fighting is difficult and yet he worked with everybody and that's just i mean that's impressive because that's not easy like sober and or whatever. So I feel like there'd be so many complications and all these projects and probably a lot of stuff that fell through that, you know, oh, we absolutely. never know about. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a really good story that, um, Mark Lanigan and Kurt Cobain actually got together and yep. they were, they were going to try to do a lead belly cover album. Uh, hmm. and they just like, they got into the studio. I think this must've been in maybe 92 or, or somewhere around there. And it just like, it didn't work out because like, you know, both of them were kind of being like deferential to the other person. And like, no one was really taking charge of the sessions. And, uh, Kurt in a lot of ways, uh, you know, by Mark's account kind of looked up to, looked up to Mark, you know, because Mark had started his career with the trees, you know, before Nirvana had even begun. And, you know, Mark standing there like, no, like you're like, you're doing some incredible stuff. And it's just like one of those things. I mean, you think about all those collaborations that, you know, could have happened or almost happened or didn't happen. And also like the fact that the trees were even able to put out is, is, you know, the, the records that they did with Mark completely in the throes of a very, very aggressive heroin addiction, you know, addiction to just about anything, um, is, is really, really wild. And, and even a lot of his solo stuff, um, you know, drug-induced psychosis, you know, withdrawal, everything was always on display with him. Um, and it's just like you said at the beginning, it's like, you know, like you go out drinking one night and, you know, you're out of commission the next day. And like how, how, how Mark and people like him were able to, able to make music uh, and be creative is, is something that's really, really, really impressive. Um, and at the end, you know, obviously, I'm just, I'm so happy that he was able to get to a space where he was, you know, he was clean and he was able to, you know, focus on stuff and, you know, be married and, and have that life for himself as well. Uh, and really kind of, you know, move to wherever region that he wanted to musically. Um, because I think at the end of the day, it was a couple of weeks ago, but I mentioned that quote where, you know, Mark was like, if I never made a penny off of it, I'd still do it because the music is its own reward. And you can really see that with the path that he took. Uh, and yeah. the people that he collaborated with and just like the weird stuff that he pops up on. Like, I'm still discovering like, holy shit, like Mark did a song with this person or like, oh, he's featured on this song. Um, it's really, really impressive. And it's just somebody that was in it for the right reasons. And, and, and music gave, gave more to him than any sort of success associated with the music ever could have, which is something that's really special. And I think is the key ingredient to having staying power when it comes to making music. So let's talk specifically um, <clears throat> about his voice, right? I mean, yeah. so a lot of people out there, like I said, there's a ton of, obviously there's a lot of biography out there that you can get into, but you guys obviously have heard him and you know him as an artist. So I think we want to highlight a few things of what we like about like his songs and what he did. Obviously the lyrics, I think, you know, there are, I mean, a million, right? Maybe more than, maybe more than some of the other guys that we talk about. Like, yeah. I mean, he really was a writer. Um, you know, but his voice, I mean, he kind of doesn't get talked about as, you know, as having the, you know, the gifted voices like the Cornell or the Staley, but like his voice was as unique as they come. And when you get into listening to him, 
um, solo stuff specifically, uh, like it's very haunting. And uh, so Chris, like what is, what does it for you with his voice? And like, why would you argue? Cause I think you've said it on here that you would argue that he's one of the best vocal talents like yeah. in the group. I, I believe that, I believe that was like, you know, maybe 30 episodes or something. Yeah. You're talking I, about I still, I still stand yeah. by that. I think Mark's voice um, is very misunderstood by a lot of people that maybe have only heard nearly lost you or dollar bill or, yeah. you know, sweet oblivion. And, and that was an incredible performance obviously on that album. Um, and there's just something about, I think anytime you have a voice that's kind of in the register that Mark's is, and it's kind of like gruff and rough around the edges, you know, there's a couple of comparisons that people always throw out and, and throughout his career, he was plagued by these comparisons to Tom Waits or to Leonard Cohen or to Jim Morrison. And a lot of his biographers and friends had, uh, you know, they've mentioned that like he fucking hated those comparisons and like, mm -hmm. like all of these artists that would be like, you know, essentially just like waxing poetic about his voice. Like, Oh, he sounds like a, like a, like an ashtray next to an empty whiskey cup in a dimly lit bar. And it's funny because a lot of his biographers will say like, Mark, Mark wasn't a whiskey guy. He was a gin guy. So it was a conversation all its own. But I think with <laughs> him, like to have a voice in that register and still have such nuance to it and such delicacy to it, that's for me what makes his voice so incredible. And, and I always think of um, a lot of his work on Whiskey for the Holy Ghost, which was his second solo album, which came out in 1994. Um, a lot of his work on that, I think, is some of his best vocally. And that's right around the time that the trees were, you know, the trees were going out. Like I mentioned earlier, Sweet Oblivion wasn't that old. Uh, and I think about songs like Riding the Nightingale, which I sent to you yesterday. Uh, there's a part mm -hmm. like four minutes in that's just soaring Incredible. over the top. And then there's even it's a like song. like Cornell ass. Yeah. And like, you and don't like, expect it. You, you don't do expect, expect it from it. somebody who's saying nearly lost you. It was like really rough and like almost growling. Um, and there's another song on Whiskey for the Holy Ghost called El Sol, um, where towards mm -hmm. the end, uh, the song kind of builds up and he hits this unbelievable falsetto uh, phrasing for a second, you know, for a little bit there. And it's not something you would expect. And and that's why, like, if you want to know and appreciate Mark Lanigan, you have to get into his solo stuff. I mean, the, the albums that he put out in the 1990s, you know, The Winding Sheet was his first one. Um, he had gotten an advance from Sub Pop to make a solo album and he didn't really, he didn't know how to play guitar. And the way that he would do it is he had like a Mel Bay guitar chord book. And he was working nights, like doing some security job or something. And he would yeah. teach himself the chords and he would come up with a chord structure first that he kind of could do. Um, and then, or no, it was the other way around. He would come up with a melody in his head and just like figure out the chords that could go on top of it. So it's like a super weird hodgepodge and like the opposite way that you're supposed to do it. Um, but just like... Once again, 1990, I mean, the, the music that he was able to do, you know, songs like Whoa um, and his cover of Where'd You Sleep Last Night or, or his, you know, his song Wildflowers. Um, once again, another falsetto part on that. There's just so much nuance to it. There's so much delicacy to it. And he just kind of, um, we talk a lot on this show about drummers serving the song with, you know, how much or how little of the gas they're willing to apply. And I think that's a perfect method in a perfect part of Mark's voice uh, that needs to be appreciated and a part of what makes him so great. He had the ability to go the vocal equivalent of 160 miles an hour at any time. Um, yeah. But when he chose to do it versus more importantly, in my opinion, when he chose not to do it, that's what makes him great. He had such an unbelievable feel uh, for the where, the when, the why, and the how of using his voice. Um, and it's all over the place, even with his stuff with Mad Season and, and Queens of the Stone Age and his collaborations with Isabel Campbell, um, all over the place. I think that's what makes his voice special. Yeah, he really used it a, a lot as um, an instrument over like over the choruses and the melodies and mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, he would like sing over that all the time and it was... It was more just notes and and you know a beautiful sound to add to over the, all the music that was yeah. playing, and um, you know a lot of artists do that. I mean, you know, Chris Cornell is really good at Eddie. Eddie would hum yeah. and do that too, and mm -hmm. um, you know, it's common. But he he had he had a voice where it it was like you said, delicate is a great word because yeah. it is really maybe people don't think about it as delicate, but when you I think when you do listen to it, um. That's a perfect descriptor. Yeah. And there's such a good marriage in his voice between being an instrument um, all its own and being a method for delivering ideas. You know, I think there's some artists that it's like, you know, 
Well, it's not necessarily about how they sound. It's about the words that they're saying and the lyrics and the concepts that they're trying to bring to you. And then there's other people, it's like, okay, well, like they don't write that great of lyrics, but like their voice sounds absolutely incredible. Um, And Mark had both of those and he tied them together so effortlessly and so consistency over a period of, you know, 30 years. Um, And it's crazy too, when, when he started with the trees, he didn't write the lyrics. He wasn't allowed to, his bandmates wanted to write the lyrics. The Connor brothers were kind of um, taking part, taking that part um, you know, uh, onto their own devices. And I mean, the fact that like they were doing that and then all of a sudden, you know, once Mark starts writing his own stuff and having input, I mean, he comes up with such unbelievable ideas, uh, throughout his career, um, is something that's just really, really incredible. He's just kind of always had that ability. It seems like, um, and you know, it didn't matter who he was working with. Like I said, it didn't matter, um, you know, what, what it sounded like. Um, and it's crazy, you know, uh, I think probably, couple of his most famous uh, solo records, I'd say his two are probably, um, you know, Bubblegum, I would say, and Blues Funeral. Bubblegum came out in 2004 and uh, Blues Funeral was in 2012. Uh, and all of that stuff is still on display. They're just like, they're, they're, they're so eclectic. Um, but because it's all eclectic and it's all unique, it just kind of all makes sense. Um, I mean, Bubblegum uh, has like his his most famous probably solo song uh, called Strange Religion, uh, which was one of Anthony Bourdain's favorite songs actually. But, uh, you know, to have a song like Strange Religion that's a ballad um, and then, you know, directly on the same record that a song like Methamphetamine Blues is on, which sounds like a drug-induced fever dream, which it probably was, right? Um, and then to be able to have, uh, you know, such a delicate song like Bombed that he sang with his... Uh, wife at the time who was becoming his ex-wife and they they sang on that song together uh there's just so much nuance to everything that he did um you know in in his musical catalog i mean it's like you know i don't even know which ones to really begin to talk about because they're just all they're all really really impressive and they're all special to me uh because i've had a lot of personal experiences with with almost all of his catalog at this point yeah it it really is i mean when you go to try to get into it I've, I've done it a few times and um not as much as you obviously and um you know it's it's really i don't want to like i mean he has i mean he has a sound right i mean he he writes a very certain way i mean he did a lot of different stuff um you know but when you get into it i mean you can start you can really can start anywhere with any of those albums because mm-hmm. um he delivers on all of them and you know they're not like they're critically acclaimed albums that you're going to find so but they're more, you know, they're the musicians' albums and yeah. stuff that they don't have the commercial really... success. Yeah, so like it's it's not a matter of like uh, which like where do I start? You know, it's not really about that. It's just kind of getting into it and and feeling the presence that Mark was able to uh, the atmosphere that he created in every album. That's mm-hmm. that's what makes him like an awesome songwriter. Yeah, because like I said, you can pick you can cherry pick any song really. And you're kind of, kind of feel the same way. <laughs> oh yeah. And you're going to, and there's going to be lyrics in there if you want to cling to. And, and um, yeah, I, I had an interaction with it the other day. I had to go on a walk to clear my head. And I was like, I knew we were doing this. So I put on the album. Right. And um, I just thank God that Chris called me at the end of it and was like, how you doing, man? And I was like, you know, I was, uh, I was a little nervous to call you about this, but I, I, I needed this call because I just went down you know the mark lanigan trail a little bit and like i said i mean it wasn't even like it wasn't even i was i wasn't even fixated on uh the lyrics and and whatnot but it created this ambiance when i was walking that uh you know served its purpose and you know that's the best way to take in his art probably is Mm -hmm. when you know you're feeling some type of way uh but it is the most dangerous i guess too because he he does exactly that. He takes you to the parts that, you know, and the parts of your mind and stuff and just lets you kind of, you know, let your mind run wild while he's kind of like providing the atmosphere. Yeah. So it's a little scary at times. But it really that's is. That's what he's good at. That's what he's good at. That was his wheelhouse. And it's funny, um, in the late 2010s, he released like a lyrical companion book uh, called I Am the Wolf. Um, and it basically was a, a compilation of all of the lyrics that he had written. And then he provided a commentary on each of the albums. Um, and it took until 2017's Gargoyle album, the final song on the album, which is called Old Swan. And when he was writing about it in the companion book, he said, this is probably the first song that I've ever written that is completely devoid of sadness or despair. 
you know, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's over 30 years into his career. Uh, but I'm, I'll tell you, you know, as great as he did the down in the dump stuff, the dark stuff, the, you know, addiction adjacent stuff, um, you know, the stuff that can, that can legitimately be dangerous if you're not in a good headspace. Uh, that song old Swan is, is one of the best, you know, hand on your shoulders. It's going to be okay. Better days are here type songs. Um, and you know, that's, that's on the same album as, you know, some songs like death head, death's head tattoo, um, or goodbye to beauty, which are just, you know, heavy, heavy, th heavy songs, you know? Um, and you know, that was what he was able to do. And, and I also, I need to mention a couple of the, uh, the collaboration albums that he did that I think really, really corner the market on some of like the weirder stuff that he did that like you definitely don't want to be listening to <laughs> in, in certain instances. I know we've been going back and forth about a couple of them, but uh, 2018's With Animals that he did with Duke Garwood, um, Downwelling, which was a collaboration with Not Waving in 2019. But then uh, the uh, the champion of them, in my opinion, was Dark Mark versus Skeleton Joe from 2021 um, with Joe Cardamone. Uh, and that's uh, that's one that we've been chatting about back and forth a little bit. Uh, lately, um, Sunday night, two thirty a.m. is one of the songs. Then there's another song uh, called I, I, "I'm Not Gonna I'm Gonna Fuck Up the Pronunciation." Hireth, like, Hireth, or something. It's like a Hireth, Scottish Hireth. word that means longing. Um, and they're just like they're really, really fucking unique songs, uh, and they they make you feel a certain way that you don't get, uh, you know, every every month of your life even every year of your life like there's just not a lot of artists i think that have existed that can make you feel the way that mark's music can make you feel um and it's plastered all over his catalog uh i mean even the stuff that he did with mad season long gone day and then when they did the the reissue of the album in the 2010s there were some unfinished demos that lane hadn't done vocals on and and you know the surviving members of the band reached out to mark uh you know and said hey mark you know could you could you write for these uh and, you know we got black book of fear and slip away uh, which are two just completely soul crushing songs, you know, in the way that only Mark could. Um, and it's just, I, I don't, I, it's, 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 it's challenging for me, um, to, to even, uh, figure out a direction of where to take a conversation about his, about his music. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even really talked about today, like my personal experiences with it. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that, that collaboration that has, you know, Hireth or Hireth on it. You know, the album cover is like this, you know, light, like blurred light. And I, I saw it and like, I was listening to it like, you know, late at night, you know, when I was like going to sleep and, yeah. and you look at it and it's like, it's such a, like a psychedelic slash, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to see. And it's like very visual representation of like, yeah, exactly. Like it is, um, I don't know. It fits. It fits you the, don't know what the it is. atmosphere. Yeah, it just, yeah. But it fits. It fits the atmosphere, and it's exactly like you know. It was like we need to put this on there, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, he was a he was a very good creator, and I you know I thought he and he definitely took everything to account when he was writing, and mm -hmm. um, very sincere in a lot of in a lot in his words. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and and I guess uh, for me, uh, my relationship with his music really started i think in in 2020 I, I don't know what it was or why i purchased his book and why i had begun to get into him around the time of march and april of 2020 um but i remember i remember getting the book um and then straight songs of sorrow had come out uh i believe in may early may of 2020 um and that was like probably still even to this point like the lowest point in my life like i was I was very depressed. Um, I was uh, routinely engaging in activities that are not healthy. Um, and it was so weird. Like, I just remember, like, literally the only thing that, like, made me even halfway excited to, like, get up the next day or, you know, to, 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 to move on to the next day was like, well, I'm still reading this book, um, you know, and it's, and, and and like, I still remember listening to that album, uh, the first song I wouldn't want to say, like, it's just his music and, and those experiences that I had, like they were so complimentary of one another that like, I can still, when I listen to that album, I can remember the way that like my apartment smelled and the way that the light would come in, uh, you know, off of the, uh, off of the blinds. And just like, I just remember that space that I occupied. And it was, it was such a weird companion in the sense that, um, you know, something that was as dark as what I felt like I was going through that somehow made it better and made it, uh, sustainable. 
uh, and made it, uh, you know, doable, which is a gift that I don't really think anything else could have given me at that time. And it's weird to talk about it because I haven't really ever talked about a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was strange. And, you know, from that album, I, you know, I started going back and I started listening to a lot of his music and remember that song that I mentioned earlier, El Sol from Whiskey for the Holy Ghost. Um, that song I listened to all the fucking time. Um, and it was so comforting because he was singing about exactly the type of stuff that I felt like I was going through. And he did yeah. it in such a way that allowed me to take ownership of his words and of his music. Um, and at a time where I needed it, like I needed something like that in my life and it was there for me. Um, and, and he went on to say on Twitter once when, uh, they were doing like a live listen from straight songs of sorrow. And he said, uh, I hate to say what the words are about to any tune. Um, and then he went on to say, you know, he's like, by all means, if you connect to these words, they're yours. Uh, and, and that's, that's what I was able to do. You know, he wrote in such a way that, you know, years after the fact, you know, when I needed something and there weren't many things around me to hold on to, like it was there and it was accessible for me. And it's a, it's one of those weird things, like somebody you don't know, somebody you'll never meet, somebody who probably wouldn't like me, um, did something for me that I don't know that I would ever be able to repay, uh, which is mm-hmm. a weird thing to verbalize and to even think about. Yeah. Music, we talk about it quite often. I mean, music is expressing emotions that you didn't know how to express right and mark did that for you during that time where it's like i don't know what i'm going through and he's like i got you chris you know and he's like i i've done it i've done it i've seen it i made it through and um that's what these artists do a lot of the times is they give they just help you express emotions that you didn't really know how to do and then you're able to work through those because I mean, honestly, like if Mark can do it, if Mark can make it through his, you know, the life that he was through and, and a lot of these guys that write stuff that, I mean, like you said, you just like, you can't write this without going through mm-hmm. shit yeah. and, and hell and back. And so a lot of times, you know, there's a comfort. It's like, okay, like, you know, people have, people have fought this battle before. I'm not fighting it alone, you know? Let's get through it. And yeah. And just the fact it's, that it's it can doable. be difficult. Yeah. And it, it, obviously it can be difficult. It can make things worse. But like at the end of the day, like you look back and you're like, I'm glad I had his music. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though maybe during it, you're like, this makes me really sad. But oh, yeah. Absolutely. Back, but, but looking back, you're like, I think it really did help because yeah. it, it allowed me to unbox some things. And, and, um, you know, and that's what I think this episode's about. You know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta go in. And, you know, start wherever you'd like and see what it has to offer and, um, you know, do the research on your own because we can talk about it to the ends of, you know, the, for another two hours, but like, it'll be a lot of the same. It'll be like, gotta go listen. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll end it actually with some words from, from Chris Cornell, you know, one of Mark's contemporaries from the era. Um, and on Twitter one time, Mark or not Mark, Chris was replying to somebody Um, and he said, the thing is, he was responding to somebody who I think was, you know, kind of feeling down in the dumps. And and Chris goes on to say, the thing is that we all feel like that from time to time. Thus the strange duality that the feeling, which is most lonely unifies us. And that was my experience with Mark's music. And it continues to be my experience with Mark's music. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that I know no matter what I'm feeling, no matter how unified or isolated I'm feeling, I've got an ally in his music. Somewhere in his catalog, there is a song for me that is going to uh, be there for me. Uh, and, and that's not a gift that every artist can give you. Um, and that's certainly a gift that, you know, I will carry with me for the rest of my life, you know, from, from Mark Lanigan. Um, yeah. And, you know, I remember when he died, I was like, fuck, like, you know, it's just, it was, it was strange. It's probably one of the celebrity deaths that was more jarring for me. Um, you know, because objectively it shouldn't have been, but it was just one of those things that, you know, I just, it just felt better knowing that that guy was out there making stuff. Um, you know, and it's, and it sucks that he's not here. And and certainly it sucks a, a lot more for, you know, for, for his wife and for his friends and family. Um, but you know, I think anytime somebody passes away, like you do lose something, but you know, we can be grateful for, the work that he did and the fact that he chose to share this shit with us, you know, because Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, 
the specifics of the darkest things I've gone through, I don't know that I could ever be able to share with people, let alone, you know, press it it's, onto a record and or write it in a book and send it out into the world. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, I was I'm just, grateful. Yeah. I was talking to somebody. I mean, they're like, I was, I was in a tough spot, very dark and it's really hard to say what it was or what mm -hmm. that feel. It, it's really hard to explain yeah. how you, how those feelings are. Um, and yeah, you got the news and and I remember you telling me, you're like, you know, Mark Lanigan died. Like, I'm not surprised. Like, it's crazy that he made it this long. And yeah. I, I spent my life trying every way to die. It is my fate to be the last one standing. That is very powerful. Yeah. Very uh, crazy words to write. Um, yeah. So I think to, to finish this, you know, finish this talk about Mark, um, you know, we put the Mark's 10 commandments. And I think that um, it might be a good thing to finish with um, before we sign off. Absolutely. Yeah. So this was, uh, this was from a feature that Q magazine did uh, in March of 2020 in the lead up to Mark's memoir and then the, the accompanying album, uh, Straight Songs of Sorrow. Um, so uh, how deep do we want to get into these? Do we want to just read the, the, the bold taglines or we, we, should we get into them a little bit? Because there's some <laughs> accompanying parts. It's pretty long. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think if, if we feel the need to elaborate, we can, yeah. but um, I I'll, think we got to get through all 10. So yeah, just exactly. You know, so we'll start with the first commandment uh, from Mark Lanigan. Uh, and it's uh, number one, it's good to be different. Don't ever let anyone give you shit because you don't fit society's idea of normal. Um, and that's obviously a very good lesson. You know, you kind of develop your own way. Uh, you know, and follow it because it's something that, you know, you know who you are, you know, and fear, you know, you got to follow your heart. Um, and you know, that's all you can do and don't buy into shit, you know, that's being sent your way. So I like that one. We'll move on to number mm -hmm. two, uh, give the gift of healing. If you can help one person not feel so alone, you've done a great thing. Music did that for me as a lonely kid. And I remember the first time I read this, I got kind of chills when I read that part, because that's exactly you know, what Mark's music did for me and Mark's music's done for thousands of people. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Number three, own or take care of an animal. I think that's important, Chris. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have a companion in your life. You gotta have somebody that you can, uh, I don't know, that's not human. <laughs> like that you're not going to have to battle with as much or I don't know something about owning it. I don't own a pet right now though. So yeah. it's, it's, it's true though. I, yeah. up, I grew up living with one. And Mark, Mark loved his animals. That's for sure. Number four, remain curious, keep learning. Uh, and he goes on to speak about the fact that he grew up in a really, really small town, uh, you know, that was really far away from any semblance of society. And, you know, a lot of people were, uh, you know, closed minded and, and, you know, they develop, you know, a sense of fear because, you know, they don't have any experiences. And he goes on to say that he loved Anthony Bourdain, who was an enthusiastic and loyal friend, but was so important because he spent a large part of his life uh, casually traveling to many places uh, that a lot of people vilified and embraced local cultures. Um, you know, and when you keep learning, you can be an example of what love, courage, and empathy and compassion look like. Uh, and that's obviously as the world continues to change and develop and different people become more afraid and more hateful of one another that's always a good one to know mm -hmm. number five every day is a new beginning this is important every day is an opportunity to create a new future don't forget to create your own reality know the differences between what you own and what someone else's idea of you is it's none of my business what anyone else thinks of me if i know who i am and you put that quote down specifically as yeah. well and uh, that's a good one. I mean, everybody, there's always going to be people that uh, have opinions on you and, and doesn't like what you're doing. There's going to be people that support you. And uh, the main thing is to really know who you are and, and uh, what you're good at yeah. you know, and you, what, what your passions are. Yeah. If you know who you are, you know, you've, you've got peace when you lay down your head at night, I think. Moving on to number six, try to have a job you enjoy at least, or at least one you can find some satisfaction in. Too many people spend the majority of their lives working a job they hate just to pay the bills. I've been blessed to do something I love for a living, but it gets harder by the year for musicians as the cultural shift in how people get their music has driven many out of the business. Uh, and that's important too, but you know, you, you always talk to people, you know, it's like, oh, like, what do you do for work? It's like, oh, I'm a such and such. It's like, well, do you like it? And they, you know, the common response is, well, the money's good. Um, you know, I think we, we have to do things that can, you know, stimulate us or at the very least, you know, do something that allows us to spend, you know, the rest of our time doing things that stimulate and excite us. I think that's a really important thing. 
Uh, and certainly, as Mark had mentioned, you know, earlier, as we talked about, you know, the music for him was, was its own reward. So something really special. Number seven, have a moment for the less fortunate. And, uh, you know, I think that probably through his addiction and his troubles and stuff, I mean, this was really important to him. And um, one of those sentences is the brutality of living out of doors takes an unbelievable strength of physical and psychic willpower. God forbid, by circumstances, you ever find yourself there. And um, yeah, a lot of times, um, you know, you just, things are going well and you never expect to be in a position where you may be homeless, homeless or, you know, jobless, friendless, and, and really on an island. Um, so when you're, you know, not in those positions, I think that it's important to, you know, understand the reality that, you know, there are people there that, didn't expect to be where they are and they need a helping hand too. And, um, yeah, like you said, it, you know, it's, it's very unpredictable out there. So yeah, you gotta be there for people even when it's not, I don't know. Yeah. Even when you cool. feel like you're not going to need somebody to be there for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I think about, you know, th- with Thanksgiving, it's like, you know, over the years we've had, we've had, you know, non-family members. It's like, you know, come over for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And they come over and, and they join and it, you know, it can be, it's been over time. It's been very random. Like one time, you know, my, my grandparents, they, I mean, they're just, they're awesome and they're very giving and, um, throughout their life. And, but they had somebody that was over from, from Turkey and they was, uh, he was setting up, uh, cause they owned a, uh, a, a chicken, uh, a, a hatchery sure. and whatnot. So we were, we were building incubators and, and this guy named Babislav came over to build it and and he had nowhere to go on Thanksgiving. He was going to work, but we had him come over for, uh, for Turkey and, and, and he was, he was very, very thankful for it, but it was, it was really random because we yeah. had Bob, Bob at the table. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's what you do. And, 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 and like going back to like number four, like remain curious, keep learning. I mean, that's, that's a lot of ways that you can learn, you know, you invite conversations yeah. and you, you talk to people with experiences that are different from you. And I think especially, you know, people who have struggled with things other than you, you can learn a lot and, you know, uh, you know, hopefully be able to assist people like that more through those interactions. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to number eight, uh, look for music off the beaten path. And Mark says, I will never forget the music that changed my life. Where I grew up, most people had no awareness of who Jimi Hendrix was, which is fitting because today is his birthday, the day that this is out. Um, My saving grace was a small record store run by a hippie who was curious for the new and weird. Uh, And he goes on to talk about a lot of the um, a lot of the song songs and music that he had learned, um, and that you know he continued his quest of discovery for the new, exotic, and interesting because of that fire that was lit by that hippie running the record store. Uh, I think everybody's got a couple of people in their life like that that can turn them on to some stuff that they wouldn't otherwise know. So, uh, you know, we hope to continue to do that for people. I'd like to think that we have at points, uh, you know, and, and get them interested in some new stuff. And my one wish is that anybody who listens to this, uh, you know, gives Mark Lanigan's music some time uh, to maybe yeah. do that for them. So, uh, Ethan, number nine is one that I'm very happy. Uh, this this is fitting that that you're going to be oh, reading yeah. this. I feel like this is a good one for you. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as I saw it. Uh, get your hands in the dirt. And basically he talks about how the earth is being pillaged and raped and how it's very difficult uh, to see it go that way. But, um, you know, at the end he says, there's something meditative about doing some small gesture that gives to the earth and takes my mind off the futility of my actions. And um, yeah, Mother Nature and being out there and doing something that is one breaks a sweat, you know, get your hands dirty. I mean, it is something so fulfilling and it could be as simple as, you know, trimming a tree or, or raking the leaves and stuff. And uh, there, it, there is, it really grounds you when, I mean, I, I say it all the time. It's like, I gotta, I gotta go pick up, you know, I gotta, I gotta leave the house. You sometimes you just gotta leave the house and, and get out there and, um, yeah, there, and there's so many jobs that doesn't seem necessarily like uh, productive, or not not productive, but like uh, like what do you what do you bring to the table? And yeah. I always think like those physical jobs of like working and like you know building or you know clearing or you know planting and I don't know those things are always so they seem so uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. They give you a sense of that you're helping and. Yeah. And, do, and getting a job done. I don't know. I, I really, I really like that. I think it's a good yeah, thing to live tangible by. Tangible progress, you know, with, 
with right. with things that are that already exist here. Yeah, I think that's that's cool, and you know, it's important to do. You know, raking even whatever it is. You know, you gotta gotta get out there a little bit and connect with the environment a little bit. And I'm horrible at it, but hopefully, this can be a reminder for me to look up from my goddamn phone screen every now and then. You know, the other day we had um, my friend Jake. Jacob was over, and we were watching. We were watching. What were we watching? Something. Oh, a TV show. And um, we heard this pack of dogs, this wild pack of dogs out, like like really yelling and and yeah. stuff. And and like we had to get up and go and investigate. And we like you know we wanted to see them really bad. And and I was thinking about like my grandparents have a bird bath and they they look at the birds and my and they send me sometimes they send me emails and they're like you know the squirrels are very busy this this season they're mm-hmm. you know they're collecting the nuts and and it's um it's so simple you know that they bring this up and they and you know elderly and older people they they kind of like enjoy watching the birds and as as a young kid you just like like what the heck like yeah why why would you put up something but like um the older i get the more i think i understand like just seeing seeing those nature the the, the um interactions that obviously like the world of nature has but then you know you can see them and stuff and it is very life-giving in a, in a weird way yeah just want to throw that in there for some reason I agree i like that yeah we can all pause and pause and watch when we have to so the 10th and final commandment from mark lanigan is to have a sense of humor uh, and he goes on to relate this a lot to uh technology and social media and how everybody is quick to criticize and comment and how oftentimes he would fall into the same pattern, but then he would remind himself, you know, to maybe not take things so heavily and and to try to elicit laughter from people. And and he said a lot of times he would have interactions with some fans. And he said he'd say he he went on to say that usually the ensuing brief internet conversation ends with me laughing and hopefully my target doing the same. Um, you know, and that can obviously be extended, you know, far beyond the reaches of the internet. I think it's important to have a sense of humor. I mean, a lot of things can happen in our day-to-day life and I think a lot of things are made easier if we can look on the bright side of things and maybe laugh about stuff a little bit. Uh, I think in all, in time, a lot of things, you can find humor in a lot of things. Yes, absolutely. Um, so those are Mark Lanigan's 10 Commandments. Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. I, I was kind yeah. of thinking like it would be kind of a cool practice of our own to write our own 10 commandments what it would come up to be and grunge what route you commandments go. and what, yeah what do you think is um important yeah. so so thank you for making it to the end of the episode i hope yeah. that um you're a survivor we didn't ramble too much yeah and you guys kind of got something out of it and and basically understand that um you know it's worth getting into it's worth listening go in there and, and check it out and you never know what you're going to find with this type of music Absolutely. Well, I think with that, it's time for some songs of the week, right? Oh yeah, Chris. Uh, would you like to go first? Yeah, I would. I will go first, uh, and I'm going to choose a uh, a Mark Lanigan song. And I, I had mentioned it earlier, uh, but it is going to be the first track from Straight Songs of Sorrow called "I Wouldn't Want to Say." Uh, and this is one that it, you know is is more inducing of um, lowercase f flashbacks. Uh, you know, than, than almost any other song that I know. Uh, but I think it's, it's, it just speaks to like the downright weird ways that Mark was making music at times. This is, it's like, it, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, but I think you got to listen to it because I mean, you get and listen to it and remind yourself that it's the same, same dude who sang on nearly lost you. And it's just like a wildly different composition. Um, but, and the lyrics are, are pretty fucking cool too. Um, there was one that I, I always used to focus on when I was listening to it. It's like all those who used to help me have scattered like mice. Uh, and I remember listening to that and thinking that, but you know, Mark was there. So that's going to be my song of the week from uh, straight songs of sorrow. I wouldn't want to say. Awesome. That's a good one. I knew, and I was debating if I wanted to pick a Lanigan song, but I knew that you were, you were going to pick that, but I have another one from a man that, uh, you know, same, really not, not the similar story, but, um, has a history with really shitty life and he wrote some great stuff. And, um, that's to me from Jackson C. Frank nice. and, um, a song that, you know, came on the other day and, and I just, I loved it. It's cover me with roses, which is a beautiful, like, honestly, like 
I just heard the chorus and I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to learn how to play this on guitar and sing it. And I don't yeah. feel that often or feel the <laughs> it doesn't happen need. all the time. <laughs> yeah, it does not. I was like, this is just a song that I want to be able to like pull out for whatever It's like, yeah, these are the only chords and the only lyrics that I know by heart, but um, just a really beautiful song. And, and yeah, he has a sad story and, um, but was, is regarded as, uh, you know, you getting, getting, you know, music history has given him his his flowers, his roses, if you will, yeah. over the years. So, yeah, "Cover Me with Roses" by Jackson C. Frank, awesome, awesome That's vocals. That's amazing. Well, those are two great songs, two fantastic singer songwriters, uh, and and two two men who deserve to have their music uh, persist on, you know, as time moves forward. So that is episode one forty of the Grunge Bible Podcast. I hope you are well. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you again uh, in episode 141, which will be the first episode of the last month of 2023. Uh, Closing time is coming. Uh, It's going to be coming out on December the 4th. Uh, It might be Spotify wrapped season by then. Uh, Who's to say? I wouldn't want to say. But we got got a couple couple more good things hopefully coming your way before the end of the year. So we hope you stick around for that and maybe uh, get some more people on board for this uh, as we charge into uh, Mm -hmm. 2024, which is going to be uh, the third year of podcasting for us, fourth yeah, year. I was I was about to say when we have we started in March twenty twenty one. Yeah, once we hit one hundred and fifty six, that'll be the three year. That's fucked. Yeah, a lot of episodes. Well, yeah. however long or short you are with us on this journey, we thank you uh, and we're grateful for you. So uh, we will hopefully talk to you next week. But until then, rock and roll, stay heavy, uh, do all that shit that we normally tell you to do. That's right. I got I got I got a flight to catch, Chris. Yeah, man, so it's time to here. head out. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the hell hey, out of here. Hey, we did it. We, we did it, man. We did it, man. Not a moment too soon. All right, Ethan, go Incredible. catch your flight. Everyone else will catch you later. See you guys. See you later. <laughs>